This episode of Remnant Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Kairos Classrooms. Have you ever thought about learning a biblical language as a supplemental tool in your biblical studies? Well, Kairos Classrooms offers real classroom environments with with classmates and a live instructor who can help teach you biblical languages, both Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T, REMNANT, to get 10% off your semester. Hey everyone, welcome to the wonderful world of Remnant Radio. My name is Joshua Lewis, and today we are doing a live Q&A on the gifts of the Spirit. Many of you have already posted in the Facebook, uh, on the Facebook, in the Facebook, on the Facebook graphic, on questions that you have. Posted on the Facebooks. We're going to draw from previously asked questions, and we're going to be drawing from the questions that are in the live chat. So if you have a question, make sure to let us know by writing question, and then your question, because we don't know if you're just chatting with each other. And there you go. Throwing shade. Or scream it in all caps with emojis everywhere. Or scream it in all caps. Also an acceptable practice here on <laughs> Remnant Radio. Uh, for those of you who are who are watching, and this is your first time watching Remnant Radio, and you're like, who the heck are these guys? What are they all about? We're a theology broadcast. We stream uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We discuss gifts of the Spirit. We talk about theology, and we talk about church history from people with different churches and denominations. Today, we are doing an episode called to be continued, where we on Wednesdays just discuss the gifts of the Spirit. Michael, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited about the just Q and A. We're just gonna roll with it, man. Yeah, yeah. And so, so I'm excited. Miller, you on the other line, man? We got you. Yeah, you got me. I'm in, uh, there. Back in the basement again. The with basement, a dude. Fibula, I might what? add. Aww. So do they, you really? So it came I, back. Were you, for sure were you trying to break out of the basement and it just went poorly? <laughs> I, was, I was in steamboat it was the most uneventful thing i was literally on my back edge snowboarding and broke my fibula it just popped and i went down so then so you're yeah, gonna talk about diagnosis so guys uh when it comes to like any questions you you might have about healing ask me and josh ask us yeah don't ask michael because, because he's, clearly he's oh, come on poor hey, guy get this get this this is the crazy part so my kids uh, a two-year-old and four-year-old have been praying for me every day. They, they literally just come up and say, Daddy, are you hurt? And so they just put their hands on my my knee and say, in Jesus' name, all pain be gone. Amen. And uh, Do they speak in tongues? The doctor, yeah, no, they don't. <laughs> the orthopedic surgeon this morning said, uh, yeah, this is, you, you should be healed in like two weeks. Nice. Oh, dude. Completely. Dude, hey, do you want to show Josh the, is it okay to show the whole like healing thing? I mean, we can came... talk about it. I can, uh, let me see if I can pull the photos. You, have you read it? Okay. Well, no, I have one of us will have to talk about it while one of us tries to find the photo. And since I'm running the computer, you'd have to talk about it. Okay. What, right. are, we, what are we talking well, about? There was so a whenever we message. did the Max Lucado, uh, whenever we did the Max oh, Lucado the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I saw that. Because one of the things we we're talking about was healing, and he just says, "You know, it just so happens that whenever I pray for people to get pregnant, it happens a lot." And I don't know what that is, but it's just this phenomenon. And so we had Max Lucado pray for anyone who was infertile, and uh, mm-hmm. and when anyway, somebody sent us in sonogram photos of um, got it right well, here. You got it. You, can you pull it up? Yeah, I can. I can read it if you I, want. I don't. I can't pull yeah, up the photo. Yeah, read it. Read it to us. Sure. Hi, y'all. I just wanted to let you know that I heard your last Max Lucado episode a bit late in December via Spotify, and at the time, we were trying to conceive. I have polycystic ovarian syndrome, which in a nutshell makes it harder to do so. I was told when I was diagnosed it was unlikely I'd be able to conceive at all. I played uh, Max's. I played Max's prayer for women trying to conceive every day for weeks. Long story short, our sweet Evelyn Elizabeth, Evelyn, Evelyn Elizabeth is due in October 2021. Praise God. May he always Whoa. bless all of you. Wow. Isn't that awesome? It is awesome. Let's Lord. let's look at some of these photos here. I got one of them in here that you can kind of look at. She just sent us these photos. That's Little so babies. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It's good stuff. Okay, cool. Well, uh, let's get into the subject. We're doing a Q&A. And uh, Josh, I think there was a question you kind of wanted to lead off with. Because Hold on, did you do your whole spiel about like Patreon and all of that? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. So, so if you're out there 
and you're watching the Remnant Radio, uh, we would encourage you to give. There's a couple ways you can give. You can give on PayPal. You can give on Patreon. All the links of those are in the description. PayPal's a one-time gift. Patreon, you can give uh, five bucks a month. It helps you get some uh, some extra cool content there on Patreon. And there we appreciate go. it. There you go. Feeds our kids. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. All right. So Q&A, you got a question. I do have a question. So first question. Um, not showing any level of favoritism because it's Dawson, uh, but because I think it's an important question that I'm asking myself quite a bit recently and talking about the gifts of the Spirit. I don't want people to come into Remnant Radio and, and think that the gifts are everything um, mm-hmm. because Jesus is everything. Uh, so here's the question, and I think it'll be a great way to frame our discussion. Uh, he says, question, how do I uh, keep the gospel central and Christ exalted while pursuing the gifts? Uh, I think that's a really important question. I think that's something that all charismatics need to um, to make sure that Christ is central in all of these things. I want to toss it over to, to you and Miller before I give my two cents on it. What do you yeah, guys think? absolutely. I think that's a huge question because I, I think we get away. Uh, the reason it has to be asked is because we get away from that. Mm-hmm. And we start to focus on the manifestation. We start to focus on, well, I want to shake like that person shook. And I want to, you know, I want to have the experience that that person had. If we make it about the experience and the manifestation, I've seen that a lot in the charismatic churches. Uh, I call it manifestation chasing. And, um, and so I, I think what I would say uh, is, first of all, the Scripture addresses spiritual gifts in such a way that their actual purpose is to exalt Jesus. Uh, another way to look at it is spiritual gifts come both from Jesus and his exaltation and for the sake of exalting Jesus. So Ephesians chapter 4, it is Jesus in his ascension into heaven that he actually gives gifts to men. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so it's tied to his exaltation and his ascension. But then 1 Corinthians chapter 2, says, Paul says, I, I don't want your faith to rest upon, uh, you know, upon my awesome preaching on the works of man, uh, but on demonstrations of the Spirit's power. So, uh, and it comes in the context of him saying that no one may boast, that it's all about Christ and him crucified. And so they're really, it really is possible. And so, and so how do we do that? I mean, in 1 Corinthians 2, it comes back to the motive of the heart. And so is my motive to exalt Jesus and love people? In my church, I define my shorthand definition of a spiritual gift is empowered love. And so am I doing this to love people or am I doing this to be an awesome healer? Am I, am I praying over this person so, or am I praying so I can just have a cool manifestation? Am I just trying to have a miracle sideshow in my church? Am I, am I trying to just sort of create this circus environment where everybody's having manifestations and bam, I hit you on the forehead and you fall down and ooh, God must be present and all of the, is, is that what it's really about? And, but here's the other side. The other thing is manifestations are fine. They're fine, but they should be a byproduct of actually seeking Jesus, Mm -hmm. seeking to honor him and love others. So again, I would just ask the question of motive. Is my number one goal to exalt Jesus and love others? And if that's your number one goal, then I think you'll be fine. That's good. Miller, what about you? you? Do you have any thoughts? Yeah. uh, This, this kind of reminds me of the um, seek the giver, not the gifts admonition. Um, which usually is coming from people that, that don't really believe that the gifts for today to begin with. So I always kind of have a hard time with that. Um, but I, I can't disagree with anything Michael's just said. I'm, I'm complete agreement. I do think there's a sense in which uh, to experience one is to experience the other. It's called a manifestation of the spirit. So this is how the spirit makes his presence known in a place. Prophecy happens. People get comforted because he's the comforter. This is how he's expressed himself. Um so, but I, I do see the, the, you know, I think if we're honest, we don't come into any of this with entirely pure motivation. When I first started praying the sick, it was more about me and needing to see something. Um, when I saw the first significant healing, that changed my heart. Uh, I suddenly realized how much God cared about this family and how much uh, his compassion to them and his love for them was made known through that healing. And so suddenly... My motivation shifted in it. Um, I do think there's a, a a danger in you know sort of the conference hopping, going from one place to the next to try to see something cool, and and a failure to recognize that at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is doing a sanctifying work when He heals somebody's mm-hmm. body. It's also to heal their heart and make them look a little bit more like God. 
And so, mm-hmm. uh, if it's not resulting in sanctification and you becoming more Christ-like, I think there's probably a problem there and what your attention's on. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I would say, um, one of the things that I found very helpful in this space is that we find these communities that we find that are, and John talked about this when he came on our last video on Patreon and gave his, his testimony of his hyper charismatic experience. Um, and he told us like the, the community that he was in, they would put such a strong focus on prophecy and gifts and impartation and such a minor emphasis on teaching God's word and applying the mm-hmm. gospel in every area of our life that when all the prophecy failures happened, all of their faith was on the gifts. Mm-hmm. So so now this facade is now crumbling down because it's all it's all false, right? Like none of it came to pass. And if their entire relationship with God was based on spiritual impartations and they now realize all of their spiritual leaders are are wrong and are being led astray by something else, mm-hmm. then they go, man, I'm, I can't trust this God, right? So so what I would just encourage people to do is make uh, what the Bible makes a priority, we should make a priority. When yep. the Bible talks about making disciples, preaching the gospel, applying the gospel into areas of our of our family life and in our workplace and with our children, and we're, we're pursuing God with everything in us as we're doing that uh, and, and following his mission, there's this promise that signs follow when mm. we're doing that thing, when we're preaching the gospel and making disciples. Yeah, you receive these, power to be witnesses, to, to, not to, to just make your meetings more interesting. That's right. So, so when we when we look at the gifts of the Spirit as like, this is a byproduct that I should expect, and I'm going to pray for the gifts of the Spirit as much as I pray that my children would grow up in the admonition and fear of the Lord and live righteous and godly lives. Yeah. When I'm when I'm pursuing the gifts as much as I am praying for the lost sinner in my co in, in my workplace that they would have an, a relationship and knowledge of Christ Jesus and that the gifts would be instrumental in raising up our children and the gifts would be instrumental mm-hmm. in in witnessing to that person, but that we're not doing it in 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 unhealthy proportions to what Scripture does. Yeah. Uh, expositional preaching kept us on track with that. Um, you know, daily Bible reading keeps us on track with that. If you're just listening to Remnant Radio's Wednesday podcast, you're going to be imbalanced. Uh, listen to all of Remnant Radio's content. Balance. There you See go. See what I did there? There you that was go. Clever. Okay. Uh, this is from Tina Huffman. It's kind of toward the, the top of one of the first questions. Um, she says, I thought I remember y'all sort of talking about praying for the gifts of the Spirit. Should we pray to have a gift? Wouldn't the Holy Spirit make that gift known to us? Not sure I understood. So, guys, what, is the, what does the Bible say about praying for spiritual gifts? Um, I, and I think this is an important question because, Josh, you and I both use the language of byproduct, and I think there are those out there who would say uh, – and we were talking in the context of like, you know – if the Holy Spirit makes you shake or maybe knocks you on the floor or something, that's fine. But we shouldn't be like put all our spiritual energy into trying to get knocked on the floor, right? Um, but this is a little different. This is about praying for a gift. So, um, Miller, we'll, we'll put this out to you. Um, should we pray to have a gift? What does the Bible say about praying for spiritual gifts? Should you pray for what you want or should you only pray for that which the Holy Spirit has made clear to you? You have this or are supposed to have this. How do we go about it? <laughs> I think you know what I'm going to say. Well, uh, I know, but I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. fine. You, you know what? Just, just pass. <laughs> you know what? Never mind. Yeah, never <laughs> mind. Josh, what Roundtree, what do you think? You know, <laughs> what do you think that Miller thinks, Roundtree? You know what? Miller, Since you have the gift Miller's of down there in the basement anyway. I, yeah, I think. yeah. <laughs> no, no, go for it, Miller. Uh, obviously, obviously, I'm going to say yes. Um, you know, you've got Matthew 7 and Luke 11, and in both of those passages, he literally says, ask, receive, seek, find, knock, and the door will be open. So the asking is not, you know, it's it's asking God, and it is in relation to the Holy Spirit uh, and the gifts. And in, in one of the Gospels, he'll say, uh, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? And then the other Gospel, he says, uh, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So the word gift and the word Holy Spirit is sort of being used interchangeably between those two gospels. And the admonition is to ask. And 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 the idea in that Greek word is to keep on asking until you receive, keep on seeking until you find, keep on knocking until the door is open. And so, um, yeah, I, I 
regularly ask God for gifts. Um, so is that you know, about the charismata? Is that about like the literal gifts of the Spirit? There, There is in the Luke 11 passage, it does say, was it Luke 11, I think so? Um, yeah, Matthew 7 and Luke 11. Yeah, it it does say we'll receive the Holy Spirit, um, but mm-hmm. it doesn't say like the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It, can, can we make a one-to-one connection between those? Is that the same as praying for the gift of tongues? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't rely solely on those passages. I think it does. Um, but I also think, you know, three times in first Corinthians, Paul will say desire earnestly spiritual gifts. And it's not a polite suggestion. It's a command. And and the word desire earnestly is the same words used for lust after. So, uh, I, I find it, you know, whether you wish, regardless, yeah, regardless of which one you want to use. Um, I, I do think it's totally appropriate and should be done that we pray to have more of God's gifts. Now, again, I think our motivation uh, is usually not pure in the beginning of that stuff. And and God has a way of purifying our motivation in our hearts. You know, today my prayers for those things look a lot different than they did when I first got into it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Today, oftentimes I'm praying for manifestations of the spirit. And my reason is, God, I want people to know that you're both good, that you're real. Um, I think one of the, the struggles I've had in life, especially early on because of all the, the pain I'd suffered, um, was not just knowing that God was real, but knowing that he was good and that he'd be good to me. And uh, those kind of experiences I've had with the Spirit have helped to affirm what the Scriptures have taught already. Um, yeah. And so I want that for everybody. I want people to know God is good. And so, again, my motivation behind it has changed over time, but I absolutely think it's appropriate and biblical to pursue those things. Right. Well, and there are overt commands in 1 Corinthians 14 to pray for gifts. So it tell, uh, it tells you that if you don't have an interpretation to pray for interpretation of tongues, which is uh, among the gifts. So um, so it's completely fine to pray for a spiritual gift. Why are you winking over there? You disagree? No. I, I winked at Brandon because Michael's mic was too loud and I turned it down. Okay. You're doing technical things over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why are you winking, anyway, as, huh? as you were. <laughs> I, I thought you were trying to give my attention. Okay. Anyway, so... <laughs> Signs and symbols, bro. You got to know how to interpret the, the age, bro. You got you to gotta ask for that spirit of discernment. You got to. All right. Okay. So uh, I got a question in here. Did, did you finish your thought? Yeah, yeah. That's good. Okay, cool. cool. Okay. So uh, this is a, a wink, question wink. from Misty, Misty Pie. Which I, your, your username is kind of odd to me, but that's fine. Maybe that's your real name? name, dude. I don't know. Last name Pie? That sounds misty pie. She better be a baker. Like that's just a shame if she's not. Okay, right, so let's get to the question. Come on. Okay, okay. So uh, occasional versus residential gifts of healing. Can I ask that's for a residential Josh healing? Uh, regard, uh, you know. So, so I mean, ultimately, this question comes down to, you know, can I pray that the gift of healing is always on command for me, right? Because that's the difference between what we would call an occasional gift and a residential gift, right? Mm-hmm. The idea that um, a gift has been given to me and I can administer it as I will. So it seems as if the gift of tongues is a gift that people can exercise. Um, that's a residential gift, but there's also something called an occasional gift where, uh, again, the gift of healing. The Apostle Paul, there were men that, for whatever reason, were not healed that were in his ministry. Mm-hmm. So we would say, as continuationists, that the gift of healing is not on demand. So could you pray, like, Lord, would you use me more in healing? I think there would be nothing wrong with that. I think that God does use individuals uh, in certain spaces and times supernaturally. I think, uh, for instance, uh, God will use Michael to teach the Bible frequently. Uh, he might use Miller in a season to prophesy very accurately. He may then go back to Miller and stop using prophecy and maybe use Miller to heal the sick. Uh, and then we just see a lot of grace in our air, in our life in these areas, but it doesn't mean these things are on command, that we're wielding them at our will. Um, so again, can you pray to God and ask that God would use you in the gift of healing frequently, that God would heal many people through you? Nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. Um, if you're asking that God would use you to heal on command whenever you want. I just don't think it works that way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting question because I um, I like that articulation of it, but at the same time, you have a Max Lucado. It's like, why does Max Lucado like yeah, see healings? Of healings maybe. Right. And, and sometimes people make a point out of 1 Corinthians 12 where, where it's like a double plural, gifts of healings. Sure. Uh, as if like maybe some people are, heal, or are gifted at healing specific things. And... Um, when I think about Michael Miller, I 
I think Michael Miller has like if there is such a thing as a residential gift of healing, Michael Miller has it because I I see him healing people frequently. At the same time, case in point, Michael's got a broken was it tibula? He's got a broken defibrillator. Fibula. Yeah, (laughs) he needs a defibrillator for his fibula. Femur, something like that. (laughs) There you go. Anyway, (laughs) so not a tibia, not a femur. Those are way worse. So. You know, obviously you haven't healed yourself yet. Okay. So um, I don't know what to do with that. So that's why I like your residential definition. At the same time, practically, I do see certain people tend to move in healing a lot more. Yeah. And I I would just say if I'm going to use the residential occasional um, categories, I can just say that God can use people more frequently in an occasional gift. And I've got no problem with that because God is sovereign and he can do what he wants. And actually, the Bible seems to suggest that different members are going to be used in different ways for his glory. Okay. So well, here's a follow up because yeah. this is Justin, Justin Nadu. Okay. What scripture categorizes gifts into occasional and residential? Yeah. So we would just say that um, the category is a theological term that we see in scripture. Right. So Paul seems to have the gift of teaching that he can use whenever. Right. Caring for people, pastoring seems to be something that you can do whenever. Uh, The gift of apostleship to go being sent from Christ to plant churches, that doesn't stop. Right. So these are what we call residential gifts. We're just categorizing them. There are other gifts of the spirit that seem that they they work at certain times and don't work at others. Again, we can go through the list of healing in particular, but Epaphroditus on a sick bed, uh, uh, Trophimus was left in Miletus sick. Uh, Timothy had wine that he had to drink for his stomach. Uh, the Apostle Paul, when he went to preach in Galatia, seemed that uh, he came with some kind of infirmity and uh-huh. they still received his gospel message and there was a thorn in his flesh and Second Corinthians chapter 12. So it seems as if sickness still existed, but the gift of healing was still at work because he healed an entire island at the end of Acts. Right. So we're, yeah. just, we're just categorizing so are, are we guilty, though, of doing the same thing that cessationists do whenever, uh, at least what we would sure. say as a continuationist, where, we, yes, they might categorize into sign gifts and non-sign gifts or supernatural gifts and kind of less supernatural gifts? Because we as continuationists say, well, wait, where's that in Scripture? Because they're all called manifestations of the Spirit. Teaching is just a, as much a manifestation of the Spirit. Leading is just as much a manifestation well, of the Spirit as healing. So... Um, I would say no, it's not the same error because in the air you can create a category like Trinity, even the word Trinity isn't in the Bible. Right, right. As long as your category has an unpacked definition that is in line with scripture. The problem with the cessationist argument about supernatural sign gifts is that the category and definition that it's given doesn't, doesn't line up with scripture. It doesn't. What I just gave was a category and a definition that I think I just made a case for that actually happens in scripture. That there mm-hmm. are seems to be gifts that are used frequently and others that aren't so on demand i would agree with that so there's a uh a sense in which the this idea of residential while the word residential or occasional is not used in scripture to, to describe gifts it's certainly clear by the scriptures that some of it is up to the person demonstrating the gift as to when it happens and when it doesn't for instance you know paul telling people who speak in tongues if there's no interpreter remain silent uh, mm-hmm. with prophecy, he says, and this is what kind of gets me because when we call it residential or occasional with prophets, he tells some to stop prophesying, like remain silent, let the per- person after you continue on. Um, mm-hmm. but even so saying sense, that, and, and, and he says a pro- the spirit of a prophet is subject to the prophet. Right. And, and the idea is that you get to decide when to speak. Same thing is true with like healing, right? Um, you get to decide whether you pray and lay your hands on somebody. So the, the question is really the result um, you know, will it be truly prophetic? Will well, it let me push back result in a healing? Because because even when it says the gift of the prophet is subject to the prophet, that's in use of, hey, the Lord has given you a word. So this already occasional thing has already happened. God's given you a word and shut your mouth because it's out of order in church service. He doesn't say sure. um, you can exercise this gift whenever you want. The context of the gift is subject to the prophet. And when one speaks be silent. He's saying that you don't get to use the gifts in such a way to disorder the service. God's already the one who's given you the word. Um, And we're not denying that you have a word, but you should still maintain Mm self-control. So again, um, yeah, so so like again, Xenalalia would be a good example, right? I've spoken in a, a known human language that was not pronounced to me. I didn't know, I didn't learn. And, and someone tongues. And someone understood that word, right? Now, could I be in a context where there's an unbeliever in my midst? Should I exercise that gift? No. Is that on demand? Can I do it right now? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. So again, that's another example to say, could that gift have been given to me 
and I have practiced it in a way that was unbiblical and out of order, I think that's what it means that a gift is subject to a prophet. Um, so again, that that's, I think the, for me, you'll hear me talking about that. So that's why he said that's a Josh question is because I really like those categories. Those are really helpful. And when a, helpful, a cessationist yeah. hears that, they go, oh, wait, that makes a lot of sense, right? Because they think the gift of for, healing has to be on command all the time. And we're right. like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're yeah. saying that's not the case. That's right. The only volition you have in that is the choice to pray or not to pray. Yeah. That's now, right. I like now that. to be fair, like the strongest cessationist argument, in my opinion, is not from Scripture. The strongest cessationist argument is that we don't see as many healings and on the scale that they have in the New Testament. Um, what would y'all say? About, now, this is kind of I'm throwing that question in there, and I'm sure somebody asked that. But uh, what, what would you guys say about that? I'm putting I would Miller say up. they're right. We don't see as many healings and kiss like they did in the other church. Uh, I mean, I don't know actually if that's true or not, because I, I may not see as much of it here in the States, but then I've also been to India where I had three hours of praying for person after person. And man, the number of healings we saw was phenomenal. Uh, I never seen anything like it happen. Yeah. And so, you know, around the world, I just have no idea. I mean, it, it would be hard how to you categorize measure that. It. Are you, are you, are you measuring yeah, it I, with one person who's practicing or with all of the global body of believers practicing the gifts? Right. I would actually argue we're probably seeing more healings today, at least in the number of healings themselves than they did in the other church. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, I, and I'm thinking about like, I mean, faith environment matters. And, you know, we've mm-hmm. talked about this before. Mark 6, Matthew 13, Jesus couldn't, wouldn't do many miracles in his own hometown because of their unbelief. Well, what's the faith level uh, in America and, and in the Western church? What was the faith level when you went to that those villages in India? Um, I think <clears throat> specifically of James 2.5, where it says, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom of those he loves? Uh, and, and so I, I think about that verse, and uh, and there is like, I mean, I've worked with a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of people in Cuba, Africa, and, and the faith level is absolutely inspiring. I'm not saying that it's not here and there aren't faithful people oh. in America. Don't don't hear that. I'm just saying yeah, there's more a... more so in those places. It is. Well... You know, for them, if like if God doesn't send rain, like they die, like or they don't eat. Okay, for, yeah. There's a there's a necessity that pulls on it too. Yeah, it, there's a there's absolutely. We've got like an iPhone that does everything for us, and all. So there's a certain faith level overseas that I think uh, I'll say overseas, especially amongst the poor. Well, I mean, you could call it faith level, but you could also call it worldview, because like yes, you know, I, I've been. I, I'm a broken record, but I'm, I'm spending so much time working on the Beatitudes and talking about being poor in spirit. Like in the West, we have this mentality of like, I'm going to provide for myself and what's mine and I'm going to protect what's mine and I'm going to, I'm going to be in charge and I'm going to like the idea of, um, poverty is an idea of weakness. Like the idea of having, uh, being poor in spirit that I actually can't produce all the supernatural things in my life that I need to, that I actually have to rest in the power of God. Mm-hmm. Like that's a foreign worldview to yeah. the West. Yeah. And when you look overseas in areas where there is poverty and they have to look outside of themselves for sustenance and protection, like that's a worldview that is cohesive with the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that is not to say um, we, we can't create like a geographical snobbery and saying that, you know, God only moves in South America. Uh, but again, uh, we as Christians have to work on our worldview and our faith and teach our, our communities what that looks like. Uh, and I think that that discipleship like that is going to affect the kind of outcomes that we see. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But, and but the fact that in 21st century America, we aren't seeing miracles on the scale that they saw in the New Testament church. We readily admit, uh, we would just say that's not an argument from the Bible. And we'd also say that I don't know of a single pastor who is leading 3,000 people to Jesus in a single day yeah. in a marketplace or 5,000 people who, to Jesus because one person got Who healed. is as effective of a teacher as the Apostle Paul? Yeah. Who is as effective of, as an evangelist as Peter? Uh Nobody. And if you're going to make the argumentation that, well, if well, you see it, back in the Bible days, evangelism, 3,000 would be led in one day. But why why aren't you leading 3,000? You're calling that evangelism? It doesn't work when you take that same concept and use it on a different gift. Right. So, okay. Um, well, and I, I would say that 
I know places where stuff like that's happened. Uh, right, right, right. And uh, yeah, again, I know places where people shadow healing people, but, but you know. Yeah, well, well, I was gonna say small town in India. There was a uh, a, a traveling evangelist. He walks into a small town of Hindu. A girl had just drowned in the river, and she had been dead more than twenty four hours. And he prays for her, and she is resuscitated. And the entire Hindu village comes to Christ. Now I know this because I've been there. I've actually taught in the church of this converted town. I'm talking the whole so town. So the whole village is Christ. Christian and they didn't used to be. Exactly. Praise and God. you're talking like they're, you know, first and second generation. I mean, the, the, the guy who came into the town is still pastoring there. Yeah. So. Well, from what I've read in, uh, of works by cessationists, they actually seem more comfortable with those things happening on the mission field. Like, uh, you oh, know, yeah. if it does happen, uh, with any frequency, it would be over there. <laughs> and that's how I used to be. I, I used to be, totally comfortable with all the gifts of the Holy Spirit far away geographically and far away chronologically as in a long time ago, but not here and now. <laughs> and so uh, let's jump to a Facebook question. The Facebook people need to get some love here. Or did you already have a question, Josh? Go ahead. Okay. Um, this one's on tongues. Why are there some who speak in tongues and it sounds like five stringed words repeated over and over, but the interpretation is way longer? Okay, so this yeah. is somebody who's That's like, a good question. yeah, who they're like, shubash robo lobo, 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 and the interpretation takes thirty minutes. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? So, uh, Miller, you got a lot of experience with with tongues. You, you're you crazy tongue speaker, bro. <laughs> you have experience. That doesn't sound terrible. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you, you didn't have to laugh. No one was gonna think anything uh, of it. No, it's funny. Uh, okay it is so uh pagans i mean I, i've had you say experience i think Stop what you mean it. is i've seen a lot of tongues and interpretation uh, i've seen a lot of people operating the gift of interpretation my wife being one of them um so i i honestly am a bit skeptical of when i see somebody give a very long-winded interpretation uh or you know based on a very short tongue or uh, if somebody gives a long-winded interpretation in the King James English, uh, as though God speaks in King James. So I tend to think that, that, that some of it might, might be their fanciful imagination. Uh, however, I, I still would validate somebody who does speak in tongues, and it seems to be the same repeated phrase over and over again. And that may just be all that God gave them. Um, and I've heard you know prayers like that uh, interpreted. And it, it is them saying the same thing uh, repeatedly, and it is a good prayer, and it might be exactly what God wants them to pray. So, um, and then I've also seen, you know, people who had to get the tongues where at first all they could do is repeat a phrase, and as time has gone by, that gift has grown into a full language, which was the case with me. Um, you know, when I first started speaking in tongues, it was just a, a short little phrase over and over again. And then that changed. It sort of took on a life of its own. So, um, yeah, to, to answer the question, I'm personally skeptical of it, uh, of, of those kind of interpretations. Do I think the gift of interpretation is real? Absolutely. I've experienced it. And I've experienced like really beneficial things from interpretation. Uh, a lot of stories I could share on that. Um, so I think that answers the question, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I was just thinking while you were talking, Miller. Um, Psalm 150, it's pretty repetitive. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. It's just basically praise him over and over again. And uh, and so there we have lots of repetition in English, right? Of course, it wasn't what? originally in English. It was uh, in Hebrew. But my point is in an earthly language, right? And yeah. so, And so if we would allow that we might use earthly languages in a repetitive manner. Why might one not speak in tongues in a repetitive manner? I would agree with you, Miller. I, I would say it's maybe an underdeveloped tongue. And then as for the interpretation, that sounds like a wrong interpretation to me. Well, yeah, the interpretation is what I was skeptical of, not the tongue. I'm usually less skeptical of the, of the tongue itself. Even tongues that I've, I've felt like sound like gibberish, um, I realize that it's usually just me that it sounds like gibberish too. And when I've had people around who interpret um, they're like, no, they're, they're definitely saying something here. So, yeah. Okay. So, and then I think in addition to that, we see in Acts chapter two, right? That they're the interpretation of what's happening is they hear them extolling God in their own language. So even the initial use of tongues was not, Hey guys, Jesus Christ is Lord and savior and he died for your sins and you need to repent and believe the gospel because they asked, 
what does this mean? And then he goes, oh, Jesus Christ died for your sins. And he yeah. said it in their known language, right? So, <laughs> so if, if, that, if the tongues was evangelism, then it wouldn't have needed evangelism after tongues. Uh, it seems as if the song... They were singing. They were they were worshiping God in a known language in a known human language. They were praising. They were praising him. God, extolling so God. You would agree it was a known human language. It was. It was just not in necessarily um, a full gospel. It unpacking. wasn't a gospel because again, one of the argumentations is tongues is used for evangelism. It's like yeah, but the only times we see tongues being used that it's actually giving us that interpretation. It seems as if it's worship. And yeah. my, my only encounter, not to say that there can't be other encounters, but when I when I. Uh, uh, spoke in a known human language and a woman from Croatia, a young woman from Croatia, heard me in her own language and in her own accent. She said, uh, I was worshiping God. I was like singing a song or, uh, I mean, I'm not a good singer, so it couldn't have been a good song, but I mean, it was... Hold on, that happened? Yeah. So you spoke, is Croatian a language? I don't even know. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, the woman from Croatia told yeah, me it was. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I've been there. Russian or what, <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah. Um, Dude, that's crazy! I didn't know that happened to you. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so, so it's sweet. It, 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 she heard me worshiping right in her native tongue. So, so when we think of worship songs, right? The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. In your example, what, what, what chapter were you reading? Just Psalm one fifty. Psalm one fifty. Uh, holy, holy, holy is a song that repeats quite a few different times in the uh, Bible. Yeah, having re- repetitious. Those phrases, living creatures, they don't give up on that one. Those living creatures, they uh, don't uh, quit. Okay, I, so. I, I wonder, yeah, I wonder if there's some cessationist up in heaven be, no, being like, don't, no, no, don't. we love okay, our okay, cessationist so brothers. My point was to say is I don't think repetitious tongue speech, that's just the same phrase over and over, should be instantly discounted if. In theory, what they could be saying in whatever mysterious language they're praying is God is holy, God is holy, God is holy, or his mercy endures forever. Um, Repeated songs in the Bible are not evil. And if tongues are worship, in many cases, why not? Yeah. And there have been several questions, and I can't find them now, but just about earthly languages, heavenly languages when it comes to tongues. Mm -hmm. Uh, Miller, you want to speak into that? Sure. Uh the the word heavenly tongue is only used one time uh, in First Corinthians thirteen, and it's also used in the context of hyperbole. You know, he's not just talking about the lowest form of a gift; he's talking about the most potent form of a gift. So, not just like a few words of knowledge, but I know all mysteries. Not just a little faith, but faith to move a mountain. Not just a normal earthly tongue, but a heavenly tongue. Um, so the the idea is he's he's trying to make a point more about love and less of a doctrinal stance about tongues. Um, so I, I tend to just go with the word that is a language, whether it's earthly or heavenly, I, I don't know. Um, but it's useful for prayer and it's also useful for the church when there's interpretation. Um, and I kind of leave it at that. I don't know. I, I'm certainly open to the idea of a heavenly tongue. I just don't know if, if there's any way to really differentiate what a person's speaking. And when people call something a heavenly tongue, I'm typically like, well, maybe, how do you know that? There's really no way to prove right. that. It's not like we well, have an angel around what, to what say, about, hey, you were just speaking in my language. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about this, though? So 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it considers interpretation a gift of the Holy Spirit. Why doesn't he just say, like, if you're praying in a tongue, find the appropriate Spanish speaker in your midst or the appropriate yeah. Croatian speaker in your midst? Like it, the fact that he suggests there's interpretation that is a spiritual <clears throat> gift might that it, it wouldn't you couldn't dogmatically prove it, but do you think that is at least suggestive of paired with First Corinthians thirteen, the mention of heavenly language, suggestive of there really probably are heavenly tongues that we can pray? I mean, again, I think it's quite possible. I just don't know if you could know that or prove it. Um, and, yeah. and that's why I was saying I, I have more of a difficulty when people say emphatically, well, that's a heavenly tongue. And that person over there is doing an earthly tongue. I'm like, well, maybe you just don't know that. Yeah. I think the other thing to to mention when we talk about the the necessity for the gift of interpretation in an environment where there's unbelievers or people uninformed about gifts present, um, should also tell us a little bit about what God is doing when he poured out these gifts is uh, he was making us one whole man in Christ. You may have a gift of this, you may have a gift of that, but we actually need each other for these gifts to be fully productive uh, and for all that God wants to do, all the works he wants to do to, to be manifest. Um, and so what I've found is that these gifts are, are actually to make us interdependent, um, to, to reemphasize there's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. He, he saved us, he baptized us in his spirit and put us into a body. 
so that we could be one new man. I don't know if that's, that's helpful, but I, I think it's important to note. Well, uh, Doc Storms, you know, he'll, he'll, he called his book uh, Language of Heaven, and he called it Language of Heaven because in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says the man that prays, no man understands him but God, and God is in heaven. So he's like, I'm cool with calling it Language of Heaven because of that, mm-hmm. um, or heavenly language. He's got no problem yeah. right, saying that. But to, to Michael's point, um, to, to make the argument that uh, heavenly language is based off of 1 Corinthians 13, I speak in the tongue of men and of angels, right? Like, again, I agree that that's hyperbole and we shouldn't make that case. Um, I've got a question in here from, I got to ask, answer it because this is Jacob Barrientos. I was telling my buddy, we were having coffee earlier uh, about a buddy of mine who he could just walk in a room and demons would freak out. This is Jacob right here in the comments. <laughs> so by posting his graphic, what probably that, three people are even, probably going to be delivered. What does that even uh, mean that he walks into a room and de- let like me, people, let me pull like this. The, I'm going to remove this. The barista starts manifesting as so soon as he walks in. We would in. go to services, brand new, didn't know anybody, and like, like, manifestations would take place. He'd preach. When he would preach, people would scream. Like I, We were in a, a church service where we we're walking down, just praying for people, and a little girl just seizes up and starts cussing. Like, I have seen more manifestations of demonic powers that were cast out, hanging out with Jacob for three years than I have in my entire Christian life. And Does he just oh. bring these demons with him? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, like, uh, answer that question in the comments. Uh, you're bringing the demons with you, bro. Uh, no, okay, so... Uh, he has a question. Okay, here's his question. I digress. Uh, do you believe there are more than nine gifts of the Spirit? And he said casting out demons is one of them. That's actually funny. I didn't even read that. Uh, giving, uh, intercession, uh, celibacy, for example. Celibacy can be a gift, Yeah, right? it's mentioned in 1 so, Corinthians 7. So are there more than nine gifts of the Spirit, uh, guys? Yeah, I usually hear that uh, it's something like 18 to 21, depending on how you count it. If you count, wow. you got Romans, uh, Romans twelve. Uh, you have First Corinthians twelve and thirteen and fourteen, and then you have uh, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four. First Peter four mentions kind of two categories, uh, but if you add it all up, and then First Corinthians seven, if you count celibacy, uh, seems a little different in nature than what we normally think of for the charismata, uh, the gifts of the spirit. But um, anyway. That's what I normally hear, but I also think, and most scholars that I've read on the subject suggest that these are probably not intended by Paul to be comprehensive lists right. of every single gift. Um, you know, for instance, First Corinthians fourteen, Paul mentions like if one of you has a teaching or which is tied to the gift of teaching or a revelation, which would be tied to the gift of prophecy, and he says or a hymn tied to what gift of hymning, hymning. <laughs> right like um <laughs> could it be that worship leading is a spiritual gift and i think we would all agree there's such a thing as people who have like an anointing or an empowerment for that ministry so you say anointing or i won't listen to it anointing <laughs> just like that perfect okay is that is that benny hen it is yeah. okay <laughs> good job thank yeah, you good. Good. appreciate it okay so um I don't think they're comprehensive. I think um, if, if I remember right, it's like 18, 19, 20, something like that is a total listing in the Bible. And there's probably way more than that. Yeah, I like to I like to quote guys that I read because I don't really I'm not that educated. So uh, Doc Storms will say uh, that even like in particular to to I call him Doc. Uh, um, he'll, he'll say that uh, the the potentially in one of his chapters in a comprehensive guide to the gifts of the spirit, he talks about uh, demon possession and working of mighty miracles, that at least it's potential that the working of mighty miracles is in relation to the casting out of demons. So there might be a connection there, but he does go into uh, detail saying like he, he knows people who seem that they have more grace on their life to see deliverance in people. Mm-hmm. I think we just talked about Jacob uh, Miller. That, yeah. Well, Jacob would be a good example of that. Miller has a, seems to have there's a grace for him in uh healing of the sick. And actually, uh Miller, you you do quite a bit of deliverance stuff as well, right? So again, maybe those two are one and the same. For him it's mostly self deliverance. Just whenever I get it is mostly self deliverance. You need a lot of deliverance. Here we go. We We both are leveling (laughs) demon jokes at each other. (laughs) It's time to change the question. Yeah, it's definitely time to change the question. Well actually, you know, I would put casting out demons, I would categorize it probably under healing. Okay. Uh, because when we see Jesus ministry, I mean, sometimes, and I've seen this in my personal ministry too, when you cast a demon out, healing happens also. Sure. <laughs> and so I, I would categorize those probably together. 
when I think about miracles, I think of like multiplication of bread. I think of um, walking on water, those sorts of things. The problem is it's hard to imagine those kinds of things actually like taking place today. But I will say, I will say, because the cessationist is saying right now, aha, aha. Um, <laughs> Miller, we're friends with, da- uh, with David Campbell. This dude's seen yeah. how many how many times has he seen food multiplied? Uh, working amongst uh, Muslim refugees in Germany. Uh, last yeah, I talked to him, he said they stopped. Times. He said they stopped keeping count. Is what he told me. Yeah. So. When, and you see, uh, Heidi Baker has a number of these kind of testimonies, and I think Craig Keener even in his book on miracles documents some of these uh, miracles happening. So. Yeah, I, I think those kind of things are happening. And even the the sort of signs and wonders like walking on water and other things are probably happening. We just don't necessarily know those stories. And truth is, most people who see that kind of stuff, they're not always telling those testimonies. Yeah. Uh, because of audience doesn't want to hear it. They're, they're going to be they're actually going to be discredited by the extreme nature of those miracles um, rather than credited by sharing them. So. Waiting for my translation miracle, you know, You're like waiting for your translation, miracle. like to be like Philip, like he suddenly appears in Azotus, Acts chapter eight. Like, dude, I just want to suddenly appear somewhere. Can I, can I on the record, <laughs> on the record, I, I don't, I don't want that gift because if, if I'm like in I the did, Middle East I tomorrow, like that would be so difficult to like orient my uh, life around. You don't even know what you're praying for, Michael. Like you just going to wake I mean, up in yeah, Southeast Asia one day. True. That's going. True. Uh, Actually, I want it to happen to you while I'm talking to you. Oh, man. And as they were <laughs> I, talking, I, Josh was caught put up. Me, I put me right at the center of where somebody's about to come to Christ. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, I just want put a camera there. on me. So that's like a... Yeah, okay. A, sorry. we I kind of got us off. So um, I would I would be down. You, you'd be down? I'd be down. You would be down to translate? Okay. I mean, God would accomplish so something. Here's Matt Baldwin. Going to show the Facebook crew a little uh, a little more love over here. He says, from a purely Pentecostal perspective, what biblical evidence do we have for the shout, blessing, slain in the spirit, running in the pews, etc.? Is this just purely an emotional response, or is it a deeper, truly spiritual thing? So the things he mentioned was shouting, blessing. I don't know what he means by blessing. Uh, slain in the spirit. So when somebody gets knocked down um, or <laughs> by <laughs> the, there are two ways to get knocked down. One, that's true. Someone knocks you down. Yeah. And the other, perhaps the Holy Spirit knocks you down. Okay. Um, But I guess maybe I'm kind of getting into the actual answer to the question. What do you guys think of these running in the pews also? What do you think of these uh, things that might be commonplace in a Pentecostal church? I I always run away from the pew. It smells. (laughs) I'm out. Uh, (laughs) That was a bad bad joke. joke. Come on. This is rough. Uh, the show's getting rough. Okay. Going downhill. Poor guy. We we have an episode. You didn't get the, the spiritual spirit. gift of uh, jokes. Yeah, we do. So you yeah. can hear a much more lengthy conversation about what we think that is. And yes, we do think what's it's the, what's the what's the name of the episode? Slain in the spirit. Slain in the spirit. Slain in the spirit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So slain in the spirit or is the charismatic community down for the count? No. Um, <laughs> in in ser- it's that's called bodies Michael. hit the floor. I'm pretty sure that's a Michael Brown uh, <laughs> reference, actually. So, so with long and short of it, um, we see in the Old Testament that there is a biblical pattern of the Holy Spirit coming into a place and people not being able to stand. Uh, we also see in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit is at times administered through the laying on of hands uh, as a means by which the Spirit touches individuals. If we put those two things together, you can say at least potentially it's possible that the Holy Spirit would minister to a person in, in a way that they could no longer stand through the administration of hands. That's the long and short of it. Um, that's that's an hour-long conversation squeezed into two minutes. So don't take this bite-sized clip and say, this is what they believe about tongues. There's actually a much longer conversation about it. Uh, what I will say is there is a phenomenon of receiving impartation for the sake of being slain in the Spirit that I think is ridiculous. I've been in services where people will place hands on me in particular in a room full of thousands of people, right? And, and, And they'll be like, receive it, receive it receive it and like try to sway your body until you fall over and it's like I'm not receiving it because I'm not falling and then gets on the mic and says we as a church need to learn how to receive again like like you're gonna shame me into falling okay like that's oh just not gosh. not a thing guys like we, we, we've created a culture that says like if people didn't hit the floor we didn't have revival um 
And we've just got to really rework. I mean, in the Bible, they touched people and they stood up. And today we touch people and they fall down, right? I'd much rather <laughs> grab a, a, a sick person that's in a wheelchair and pull them up than pray for a bunch of Christian people and then fall down. Now, can God do things? I've been ministered to in such a way where, where that's happened to me. I've prayed for people that have fallen over, uh, but it's not a normative thing for me. And it's not a normative thing in my ministry. Um, and we shouldn't pursue Dude, the okay. slain and the spirit anointing. Miller, do you remember this? You were with me. So <laughs> he's when, laughing. He knows exactly. this is like <laughs> where you're going with this. <laughs> okay. So you remember Lakeland, Florida, uh, no. like yeah, the yeah, revival? Yeah. Okay. And um, you know, Todd Bentley was there and all we kind of just went okay. to check like we don't say revival. There were genuine healings. There were we I mean I, I got Okay, to there was some good stuff. Todd, with, Todd with Bentley got into God some broke out. Mm-hmm. Todd Bentley got in some real mess there, for sure. Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't affirm Todd, that's for sure. <clears throat> right. And, um, well, okay. Lakeland, Florida. Just, that- just for the critics that are on, we not only do not affirm Todd, like we we discredit Todd. We would tell people, don't follow his ministry. It's bad. It's yes. sexually immoral. Bad. Don't. Bad. So it, just in case yes. people are like, oh, they don't affirm it. What does that mean? It, like, I mean, it, Anti-it. It's so bad you can't even talk yeah. about it. As you were. Okay. Around so I'm sorry. anyway. So we go there. We're just going to check it out. Like, is there really something going on here? And so we went and we go down on the floor. They're like, hey, if you want prayer, come down. We're like, let's go get prayer. Some dude, like, he's like, you got prayer yet? And he's like screaming at us. Oh, We're like, yeah. uh, no, I, I haven't. And Miller, he he takes me, he, he takes my forehead like this. He pushed me so hard, and I'm standing flat-footed, and I'm like, whoa, Miller, you ducked behind me. You ducked behind me. I literally went feet up, and he's thinking, man, that was Holy Spirit is powerful, and I go feet up, and then you stand up, and he pushes you down over my body. That's not the Holy both, Spirit, man. We were both laughing, not because of God doing anything, but because of how ridiculous it was. It was so dumb. <laughs> Okay. That's, that's so can not I, being slain. Can in the I just kind of like address in the midst of this? Like that's the most traumatic experience for most people. You are two guys. Oh, who've not been for us. Trained, <laughs> I know you're two guys who've been trained by a pastor. You've seen the supernatural work of God. And there are other people who are pursuing this that are going, man, like I really want to believe that the gifts of the spirit are for today. And they walked into that church and somebody pushed them over and they think, oh, this is all fake. And they walk away yeah. because that's yeah. an abusive, dark. I mean, we can laugh at it because it's just so ridiculous. You know, and erroneous, yeah, right. But yeah. in it's the same abusive, breath, these guys it's like are, they don't know what they're doing. Like the guy pushing. Oh, over, I don't. He I don't know. I, I, there's a guy some, who was with. Well, with leave it. Leave well, it for the realm of possibility that some people yeah. don't know what they're doing. This in a realm of possibility. I, yeah. I, I will tell you that after praying for thousands of people, you're not being very careful with how you're placing your hand on people. And I would really advise if you've ever experienced something where you felt like someone was pushing people down, you in that moment while they're praying need to say out loud vocally, please don't push me so hard yeah. um, vocally because that will, one, tell the pastoral staff that's there who's around in the altars what's going on mm-hmm. and two, yeah. prevent that guy from or make that guy a little bit more cautious of what he's doing in that moment if we're even giving the benefit of the doubt but i mean i've, I've heard <laughs> stories for guys for me not push me down <laughs> i've heard stories of guys saying hey put your feet together and don't take a step back and just pushing guys and go up to people oh and go, my god put your feet together and yeah. like you tell me that guy doesn't know what he's doing there's no way but, but again to affirm it can totally happen um sure you know well, happened I, to me. I this wouldn't be the pre- once yeah okay well and this wouldn't be the precise same thing but in john 18 i think six um Jesus, whenever he's being arrested and they, you know, ask his identity yeah, and he says, yeah. I am he and a whole crowd of uh, soldiers falls down to the ground. The Holy Spirit causes them to fall down. Uh, I think of Saul pursuing David in the book of first Samuel and like he's he's like chasing David to kill him. And by the end of it, he's like on the floor, has somehow disrobed and is prophesying. <laughs> it's a strange story. But I'm saying, like, we can't discount stuff just because it's weird, okay? And, and I think that's where, like, you know, we who we, we like to use our brain, right? Like, we we like to not check our brain like at Jesus. the door. We think so. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we like to be thoughtful continuationists. and uh, But the reality is sometimes the Holy Spirit will do some weird stuff, okay? And that, that really is true. The question is, am I seeking weird Am I acting out to in an exhibitionist manner, 
Or am I seeking more of the Holy Spirit and he just does something weird? There's a big difference between those. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and as long well, as one of the weird things that happened yeah. at that conference, Michael was uh, again we we didn't affirm Todd his practice uh, his morality, but uh, dude, I we saw real miracles. There was definitely people who, who got healed. God still in the midst of that did some amazing things. And yeah. the weirdest thing to me was that fragrance that broke out in the whole room, uh, which to this day I've never smelled anything like that in a in a good way. Um, do you recall that? Yeah, yeah, I do. I'd actually forgotten. About, I hadn't thought about that in a long time. It's a weird thing. Yeah. Okay, cool. We got time for another question. We're at probably one more question. Yeah, one more question. Okay. Josh, do you have one? I'm scrolling here through the YouTubes. I, I went too far. Okay, here's a question. Okay, so here's here's a question. I think it's probably a good question. There are a lot of questions in here about interpretation of tongues and stuff like that that we haven't been able to address yet. We obviously need to do more of these. Maybe we should. Um, when's the last time we did a whole episode on tongues? It's been a couple weeks. A couple weeks. <laughs> it's not, not been too far. We've only been doing this for a couple weeks. Um, for those of you who are in there and you're like, you're asking questions about pursuing the gifts and how do I start? We've done episodes on that. Go back in the log and look some of that up. Um, uh, this is a good question, though. I think, can unbelievers have the manifestation of the gift of kinds of tongues or any other gift listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Balaam's donkey prophesied, or even Balaam prophesied. So, okay. what do you think? Um, okay, so can an unbeliever do things that resemble spiritual gifts? Yes. I think spiritual gift wouldn't be the category I would use for it. So you have Balaam prophesying, Um, you have in John 11, Caiaphas, the high priest accidentally prophesies when he says it's better for one man to die for the nation than for the whole nation to perish. He said this not knowing that basically that's what was about to happen to Jesus. And so can God do those kinds of things through unbelievers? The answer is yes, God can do anything. And on occasion he's done those things. But the way the Bible talks about spiritual gifts feels as though it's different from those very occasional manifestations. Um, it talks about uh, it talks about Jesus dying, rising again, ascending to the right hand of the Father, and pouring out gifts upon His church for the edification of His church. Um, is that what Balaam was doing? Well, no, it, it really wasn't. Um, was that what um, Caiaphas was doing? No, it really wasn't. I would just say those were manifestations of the Holy Spirit that were aberrant, that were uh, anomalies, but I wouldn't call them spiritual gifts. I would just say they resembled the workings of the Spirit within his people. I like Disagreements? it. Got any thoughts? Miller? Basement boy? No, I like it. I like that. I thought it was good. I, I kind of like basement boy I think- for... You know, we've got the examples of like dreams and That's visions. That's like a band name. <laughs> we've got those examples of dreams and visions uh, in the uh, uh, in uh, the days of Daniel, right? Yeah. God speaks to kings. And right now, I mean, there are claims that I have no reason to discount of Muslims who are putting their life on the line because they met Jesus in a dream. Dude, I mean, massive I read, swaths of I read, people coming to faith. Uh, uh, a study, it was by a missions agency. I don't know if it was Frontiers or which which one, I can't remember. But it was something like 40% of Muslims are coming to Christ through dreams. And and if you're telling me Dude, like, that's, Lecrae. that's not God, like I don't know a that's single Lecrae. demon. <laughs> Lecrae is a rapper, Michael. Okay, so <laughs> if you're telling me that a demon is leading people to God or, or that man's sinful nature, that they're dreaming this up all on their own, it's their own vain imagination that's leading them to Jesus, Either one, you're denying the depravity of man, right, mm-hmm. and our ability to get to God, or two, you're saying that a demon is leading people to salvation and is doing a better job than the Western Church, right? Like I just, I refuse, <laughs> yeah, no I refuse to make demons like the number one cause of Christian salvation in the Middle East. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think that's garbage, uh, and I don't think that people are just spontaneously dreaming about Jesus being their Lord and Savior and being drawn to repentance by the carnality of their own mind. I think that denies more Scripture than the demon thing did. Uh, again, neither here nor there. Uh, it's just worth mentioning that God does move supernaturally amongst the hearts of unbelievers 
because it's the work of the Spirit that regenerates hearts, and He uses means to do that. Uh, and I've got no reason to believe that God wouldn't use a gift of the Spirit to convict someone of their sin or to expose the nature of Jesus to them. Um, I mean, I've met these people. I mean, Dawson, who does some of our research, that, like, that's how he came to Jesus, was he he had a vision, and he was a drug addict, and had a come-to-Jesus moment. And uh, anyway, maybe we'll have to have Dawson come on and tell his testimony, because it's it's pretty intense. Um yeah, so Dude, I was looking for that happens. statistic. Newsweek literally wrote an article about Muslims coming to Christ in dreams. That's crazy. Yo, Newsweek, News, wow. If Newsweek is talking about it. <laughs> Send that to me. I want to read that. Uh, okay, cool. We'll do. And maybe link it in the show description. Yeah. So uh, people cool. don't think we're nuts. I'm... <laughs> cool. Uh, uh, too late on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, basement boy. (laughs) (laughs) You guys. Okay. (laughs) We need to send Jacob Barriantis over to your house. (laughs) All right. All right. I'm stopping. All right. I'm muting Michael. (laughs) It's it's getting too crazy. (laughs) You don't know what's coming next. All right. We got to do closing thoughts. Yeah. Let's do some closing thoughts. Josh Miller, closing thoughts. Um, I would just say... uh, there are lots of questions, but just because there's no there's a lot of questions doesn't mean there's no answers. There's a lot of people who've put a lot of time and research into studying these things. Um, and if you look in the right places, you're going to find good answers. We've put together a large swath of resources for you in the description of every single one of our videos. We have a recommended reading link. You click that link, it'll take you over to Amazon, and we'll have a bukus upon bukus upon bukus of books on the gifts of the Spirit from reputable guys that we we believe in, that we trust. We think they have rock-solid theology and character. Um, and we would say, go check those out. Um, don't allow, like if you're a Baptist right now watching, right? I am not going to say all Baptists are like Westboro Baptist, right? I'm not going to take the worst example of the word Baptist and then and then compare you to that and say, this is what's normal. So what I would ask is don't, please, when thinking about charismatics, do not go look at the worst charismatics and say, this is the normative expression of this. Go to our best. And the best are in the links of the description. Okay, that's that's the place. If you've got questions, those are really good places to look. Uh, yeah. Miller, what do you think? Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for all of those who are commenting on here. Uh, I know there's a lot of questions that we didn't get to. Um, and so hopefully with some of the archives that we've got on the YouTube and, and uh, podcast, you can find them, the, the answers you're looking for. Uh, and also if you're in the Denver area or in the Dallas area, the Fort Worth area, uh, we have churches that we pastor. So I'm here in Denver, Colorado. You can reach out to us to find out more about what's going on here with the Reclamation Church and Wellspring Church and, and uh, the Fort Worth region. Uh, and we we definitely, if we're available, we want to spend time with people answering these questions, uh, coffee, that kind of stuff. So feel free to reach yeah. out. And thank you again for for the time. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and I think I would just say real simply, 1 Corinthians 14.1, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. The Bible says it. So let's do it. That's what I would say is my summary statement, closing thought. So uh, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, and that says especially the gift of prophecy. We want to help you guys on that journey as much as we can. want to encourage you in that. And uh, last of all, just like we mentioned at the beginning, please hit that subscribe button and uh, consider donating on Patreon or on PayPal if you want to make it a one-time expense. Josh and I are about to film our thoughts on Francis Chan interview, yep. and uh, you just did like a four-part Patreon video yeah, that you're so going I've to release. uploaded two today. I'm uploading two tomorrow, and they're all a testimony from my buddy John, who came out of a very hyper-charismatic space. And he's got he, a powerful testimony. He's a really powerful testimony. But the, one of the coolest things about his testimony is that he's still in conversation with that church. Um, yeah, he, he has he a good attitude. Spoke about it. truth and love, and was able to maintain friendships and relationships in those spaces. Um, and there's a really great example for people who are in that space who are wanting to see more theology and less of the crazy in their space to kind of help confront, in a godly, righteous way. Um, leadership in, in church tradition. So it's a really cool place uh, to check out some of that stuff. Extra content on Patreon. Go check that out. We're filming a video now. Uh, so five videos just in the last two days. Uh, they're on Patreon. Catching up for lost time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, okay. good stuff. Hey, and on Monday, we're talking yeah. about four different views of communion with Matthew Esquivel. And um, to those who are listening and you're viewing and you're from the cessationist camp or 
continuations camp, you just want to find out more. Uh, Tom Schreiner is going to be on the show uh, talking about cessationism. He's our very first guest to be a cessationist talking about cessationism on the show. Uh, I think that he's uh, a very res- like a very respectful cessationist. He's yeah. not a militant, hateful cessationist. And um, and so anyway, we're gonna have him on the show. It's gonna be a great discussion. I've uh, read his book on it. It's, uh, it's a good book. Yeah. So agreed. Agreed. I uh, really enjoyed it. And I think if charismatics could listen to that book, they'd be really friendly with cessationists because uh, if that yeah, was the norm, he, yeah. I, think, I think that would that would help. We certainly don't agree with it, but we, oh, yeah. there's parts we like. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, cool. It's charitable. So good stuff coming down the pipe. So uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, have a great rest of your week. Be blessed and Happy flavored. Easter. Easter's. want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. And you need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description, and you can use the promo promo code REMNANT to get 10% off. These classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos Classroom. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio.